When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of Still Curtain. And joining me, as always, is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. We've got some news breaking today involving Deshaun Watson that heavily involves the Steelers matchup uh, this week in Week 11. As Pittsburgh looks to advance to 7-3 and three on the season, coming off of two straight home wins, first against the Titans on Thursday Night Football, and then they had 10 days to prepare for the Green Bay Packers, who they narrowly took down this past week. We're going to preview uh, the Steelers-Browns game. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, what that means for the Steelers, for the AFC outlook in general, uh, and from the playoff picture. And we're also going to talk about uh, the, the devastating injuries the Steelers have had to the linebacker position. What can they do to help there? But first, Shane, let's start off with uh, rehashing the Steelers versus Packers game for a few minutes here. It was kind of close throughout, like a lead change late in the third quarter. I mean, just the prototypical football that we've come to see from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can't win handedly anymore, even with the extra time to prepare, even with going against a young offense, all the injuries that Green Bay had. Uh, I mean, obviously, they kind of just play their football and cover four and make sure you can't pass the ball, although the Steelers ran right down their throats, which is, I guess, why everybody's calling for Joe Barry's head right now as well. So uh, it's, it's one of those games where, you had a, a clash of of two coordinators, and somebody had to somebody had to come away victorious. It was Matt Canada this time around. Yeah, and it's it's tough if you're excuse me a Packers fan right now because you have a really young offense that clearly is still figuring it out, and, and they have their own issues. And Lafleur, I think, hasn't done as good of a job as maybe people expected, kind of working around that. And it is it's hard to to be in that position where you really don't have many veterans to lean on with the offensive line injuries and Bakhtiari being out and Aaron Jones being in and out of the lineup this year. and He's kind of your best veteran player. It's just hard, but on the defensive side, they do have a lot of veterans and they, they're missing guys like Alexander and Quay Walker. And like, that's going to impact the defense, but Joe Barry just doesn't do anything to help his defense in certain situations. He kind of does his thing and the Steelers are guilty of this in their own way as well in defense, but we've been able to get away with it much more than, than Joe Perry has. And I think the run game, especially, and we talked about it in the lead up to the game. I knew we could run on this team because that's kind of their MO is they're not going to defend the run very well. Cause they're going to be in, in a lot of quarters coverage. They're going to be off man. Like it's just going to, there's going to be lanes to run through. And in this game, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I mean, Steelers 205 yards on the ground, a pair of scores. Mm -hmm. The Steelers are now averaging over 185 rushing yards a game over their past two contests. We're going to see uh, how that is going to stack up against the Browns right. and their defense and some right. of the data that I collected there. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, do you have any winners and losers from this game from the Steelers, Shane? I mean, the biggest winner, obviously, is the run game in general. But Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were both pretty fantastic. Uh, Warren especially. And you know, Najee mm -hmm. still has this thing where, and, I, and I've talked about it before, if he just stopped spamming like the hurdle button every time he was in the open field, he'd probably get like another four or five yards in most of those situations. And I yeah. get it. He's athletic enough to do it. He he likes doing it. It works for him a lot in college. And like, 
It's even worked in the NFL at times. But I just want to see him just really completely destroyed defensive back and they've been filled one of these times and i know he can do it he's got the size the power but outside of that i mean they were both still mm-hmm. very very good you know Najee still had a big run 24 yarder and jalen had i think a 20 yarder of his own like it was just all working in the run game and a lot of that's you know broderick jones being in the lineup now a lot of that's again joe barry just not really having an interest in stopping the run for whatever reason that would be uh but again like our offensive line dominated them for the most part, and so did our rushing game. So that's really the biggest winner of the day. Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome performance on the ground, obviously. You you wish that this would translate to points more, more often, often than it does. Yeah, yeah. It does help with time of possession. It helps keep your defense a little bit fresher than they have been. I know that I think prior to that game, Steelers were 30th in time of possession Something to like check that. and see what they are right now. But it didn't move the needle much because I think the Steelers had them by like a minute or two in this yeah, game. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, yeah. And, and what's concerning, I think, is Watt is playing – Watt and Highsmith both, they're just playing too many snaps. Yeah. I mean, they, both you got to find a way to limit these guys a little bit because they're going to be so worn down by the end of the year. Uh, let's talk about the, the Quan Alexander news here for yeah. a second, Shane. This was a big one. Uh, we're going to break down the linebacker position here uh, in our second part of the show. Um, but just your, your initial thoughts from this injury for the Steelers, like how big is this? It's huge because Alexander was the only guy left on the roster linebacker that could handle, you know, three down duties. Like as much as Landon Roberts is a good player overall, we know what he is. He is a downhill thumping linebacker who struggles to move in space. And there's a lot of guys like that and they all have their role. But if you ask him to play a ton of snaps, you're going to see, and you know, we're talking about winners and losers of the game. Like one of the losers was the linebackers. Once Alexander went out, like they just could not cover the middle of the field. There's multiple mm-hmm. times for him and Mark Robinson were just not even in the same zip code as the receivers in the middle of the field, and it was part of their responsibility. And again, it's not really fair to Roberts because that's not what his job was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the first and second down guy, the one that comes in to kind of help out with the run defense. And now he is in a situation where he's the green dot guy. He has to be the communicator out there because you have a young player in Mark Robinson who just probably isn't ready, and everyone else has been added in the last couple of weeks, right? Like Michael Walker. Um, I think it's um, uh, Tariq Carpenter, I believe, is the other linebacker mm. currently on the roster. Yeah. All those guys are, are players that haven't been with us for very long. So he kind of fell into that role. And without Alexander out there now and Holcomb out there, it's going to mean a lot for the middle of that defense. It just is. There's We've had issues there for the past couple of years for a reason, right? And you bring the two guys that were starting in, without them now, it's going to maybe be even worse than it was before we got them in. Yeah, and, and Lynn Roberts goes from being a – part-time linebacker yeah. with his niche that downhill role to being a guy that's got to be out there all the time and mark robinson yeah. now gets elevated to a big role so uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second let's talk about deshaun watson though this is the big one of the day uh and this is going to be a big storyline for the rest of the year i mean the browns have not been getting their money's worth out of their 230 million dollar quarterback that's <laughs> for sure so far uh, for those who don't know uh, was re- reported earlier today uh, by the Cleveland Browns organization on Twitter that Deshaun Watson needs to have shoulder surgery uh, to repair his uh, shoulder to avoid any further setback. And so he is effectively done for the season. Uh, also had an MRI on his leg and has a, a high ankle sprain as well. I think that's what the other one was there yeah, too. So, yeah. uh, so not good news if you're a Browns fan right now. And I know that, that Deshaun has been up and down during his his kind of brief tenure with Cleveland because he didn't play until late last season. He was kind of banged up in and out of the lineup this year. Uh, and now something like this, and this is a six and three football team. It's one that happens to have 
a really good defense. It happens to have the front runner uh, for the defensive player of the year award this year in miles Garrett. And so the Browns had a lot of things going for them. Uh, and it just, when it looked, I mean, they, they're coming off of also a, a 33 point uh, victory over uh, 33 to 31 over the Ravens on the road. It was a big win divisional win. And so now this happens uh, just such a, such a, a killer to their season potentially. Um, and we're going to break that down with everything else uh, <clears throat> that we're going to talk about in the Steelers versus Browns matchup. But what are your quick thoughts on uh, the Watson injury, Shane? Yeah, like you said, as much as he hasn't lived up to the player that they wanted him to be when they signed him to that contract, they wanted the Deshaun Watson that was firmly in the conversation for a top five quarterback while he was in Houston. They haven't gotten that guy. I don't think that guy exists personally anymore for a multitude of reasons. But I think he clearly gives them the best chance to win you know, of the quarterbacks they have. I don't, it's not a huge bar to clear, but it still is the bar. And more importantly, they started to figure something out, weirdly enough, in that Browns game with the short passing game because he has not been effective down the field. And, and you know, I think part of that is just you know some amount of rust still being knocked off. Some of it is just the timing of things and him not feeling comfortable with kind of the big shot plays because a lot of that is about – being on time with your throws, making sure the throw comes out at a certain time to get the ball where it needs to be. And that's where he struggled the most. But if you can get him to be really effective in the short game and stop taking sacks and taking the hits that he was taking, that kind of was getting him banged up, that's probably their best path to success moving forward. But now we're not going to see that again until next year probably. In the short term, it does impact their ability to win games because they do think that as good as their defense is, it's kind of a situation with the Steelers too, where like our quarterback play and our really just our lack of offensive prowess in general does put a lot of pressure on the defense. And in certain situations, like if they do play a team that can score a lot of points, do they win that game? They, they won against the Ravens. Mm -hmm. If PJ Walker starts the whole game, I, I just feel like the answer is <laughs> probably no. And yeah. that's kind of their main concern moving forward, I think, is can they beat the teams that maybe they did have a shot against, even with Deshaun not playing great, with APJ Walker slash now Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's expected to start. Yeah, it's the thing is their defense has been so good that they yeah. could have potentially. And so uh, I, I, Watson's arm looked a little bit toast to me like earlier. Like there's some throws that he's tried to make, like rolling out of the pocket. And it just did not seem to have that same arm strength. He's a young enough guy. If he gets the surgery, who knows what he's going to look like yeah, afterwards. But yeah. I mean, maybe it could do a number on him. It, it, it Some of these throws that he's had this year that have been like well short and undercut yeah. by defenders. It's like, it kind of reminds me of like uh 2020 Ben Roethlisberger, 2021, <laughs> where it's like it's after that injury there. And it's, yeah. No, it, it, it didn't seem to at least. So we'll see what he looks like. And we have to wait until next year to find out big blow to the Cleveland Browns for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call click Granger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
The Still Curtain Podcast is running a deposit match promotion up to $100 for any new sleeper daily fantasy user. Make sure to use code FANSIDED2 when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. Yeah, up at the top. All right, Shane. Let's talk about the injuries to the linebacker position and whether or not the Steelers can overcome these this Mm -hmm. year. What we said yesterday uh, on the the live show that we did yesterday that the one combination you couldn't have of injuries at the off-ball linebacker position was Holcomb and Alexander going down for the season, and that's exactly what happened. It would have been better had... (laughs) It had been Holcomb and Roberts or Alexander and Roberts or any other combination, but you take the two guys off the field that can move in space. You take the two guys off the the field that have at least a little bit of coverage chops and you can't afford to lose that because coverage is already an issue for your entire secondary minus Minka and Porter this year. And Minka hasn't been healthy. And so it just creates more chaos, I guess in the defense, especially when it comes to pass coverage, situation so let's focus in on the linebacker position specifically right now and what is the plan moving forward here what do you think the Steelers are going to try to deploy uh in this linebacker rotation I think at first from what Tomlin said in his press conference it sounds like Roberts is going to be the green dot guy of course which that's expected and I think him and Robinson are going to get the most snaps against the Browns or at least that's where they're going to start now I think the question becomes do they move especially Robinson out of the lineup if he's not really performing well at all and give a chance to a guy like Michael Walker or Tariq Carpenter. I think that's likely. I think we see both of those guys uh, not only active, but I think we see them play to some degree. Because I think they just need to find out, can they add anything? Can they give them something that those two can't? Mm-hmm. And I think at least with the other two, there's more athleticism there at this point for sure. Um, and that gives you a better chance in coverage. But again, there's a reason why those guys are not on their teams that they started with and why they're backups right now. They, they're not exactly you know veterans that are proven. So you kind of have to take that as you will. But I think the plan is to try to give the guys who just you know finished the games last week the chance to prove they can be the full-time guys. And if they can't, that's when you go to the other two to see if you can get something out of them. Yeah, it's so hard to rely on guys that we have not yeah, seen at play true. a snap yet in a Steelers uniform, really. Yeah. And so if they're called up, and I'd imagine at least one of these guys gets called one, up this week, uh, you can't go, yeah. you can't go into the game with two off-ball linebackers and nothing <laughs> Not else. Not with our luck recently, no. So, no, no, you can't, can't risk that again. And so I am interested to see if those guys get out there, if either Carpenter mm-hmm. or Walker gets out on the field, whoever it's going to be, what they look like. Do they look like they have a little bit more coverage chops than than the combination of Roberts uh, and Mark Robinson because – these guys are just not great movers in space. They can come downhill. Very Vince Williams like in that way where right. uh, their their forte is, is coming down and stopping the run. They are very, very physical. They are Mike Tomlin type football players. I think he's he spoke wonders about them uh, in that regard, in their physicality in the past. And I went and looked at these guys a little bit, Shane. The Steelers now starting linebackers in Roberts uh, and Robinson. These guys come in just a little bit over 5'11". They got short arms, no wingspans. They're average at best athletes, like running like the four, six, five range ish. And, and, and there was a time Shane, when that used to be a good number yeah, back when you really had like six, three, six, four linebackers, 250 pounds. That's not a good number for a guy that's five eleven and 235 pounds. Like it's, no. these are short compact linebackers that can't disrupt a lot of passing lanes and don't have the juice and recovery speed. And we saw that 
unfortunately with Roberts specifically last week going against a guy like Luke Musgrave, who's just a terrible mismatch. Yeah, uh, I couldn't, couldn't get more different in that regard where Musgrave can just long stride right past yeah. him. And that's exactly what we saw. And so when we get these matchups, like we got David and Joku, uh, this week for the Browns, we saw him make a really nice grab uh, and run after the catch this past week. Can the Steelers linebackers hang with these guys? And if the answer is going to be like a resounding no, well, then we've got big issues. What do you do then? And so I, I guess the question, Shane, is if these guys aren't cutting it specifically in passing situations, third down, uh, e even just your standard nickel, like these, they can't stick with. It's like having two guys out there that just can't cover worth a lick. What do you do in that case? I think in the question, I think, should the Steelers look for free agent help? It was asked a lot as soon as this happened, as soon as mm -hmm. Alexander went down officially for the season. I, the problem is just like at this point in the season, if you're looking for coverage, you're not finding it. Like if yeah. you can cover somebody, you're on a team right now, realistically. Like that's kind of the main mm -hmm. issue. It, it'd be different if we if we missed Roberts, right? If he was injured and Robinson wasn't cutting it, you could go find a thumper. You could go find somebody on a practice squad or something somewhere where – you know, Sean Evans is the name that's been brought up where I think he'd be a good add because he has more experience than some of the other guys. But I don't expect him to make a huge impact in coverage. It's kind of the reason he's not yeah. starting for a team right now is, you know, he doesn't have those coverage shops. So that's my main concern is you can add somebody. And I feel like at some point that probably will happen, whether it's because of more injury or because these guys aren't cutting it. But it's probably not going to be for the sole case of trying to help the coverage it might just be just adding a body just to see what, if they can help at all. Like it's not going to probably come mm -hmm. from the coverage chops way. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about the free agent pool and just how depleted it is yeah, already. Like you got guys that are past their prime. I mean, any more of the running or, or excuse me, the linebacker position is like the running back position it is, of the defense way. where these guys take so much wear and tear on their bodies that I mean, 28, 29 years old, a lot of, a lot of these guys are done by that point in their career. And so, uh, you obviously hate to see the injuries to Holcomb and to Quan, And I think that Holcomb with that ACL, I think that he'll, he'll end up making that recovery and getting back on the field. He's obviously under a three-year contract. So, uh, he'll be back next year. Quan, I don't know if, and when he will yeah, be back. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. having a, a ruptured Achilles at this stage in his career with his injury history is, is a very unfortunate blow uh, to his career path. So I uh, hope that they do well in the recovery process, but for the Steelers right now, like they're, you're right. The options are just so, so yeah. limited. And so uh, how do you overcome these holes at the linebacker position? Shane, one thought that I had is I think you need to adopt a lot of what Dan Quinn is doing over in Dallas, like get like four safeties on the field at the yeah. same time, because I think that is part of the way uh, to mask your weaknesses in these certain areas and to get more coverage ability on the field. Now, I'm not a big Keanu Neal fan. I think <laughs> that you, if you've listened to the podcast before, you probably know that uh, Neal was not a, a super fast or athletic player to begin with, even when he came out as first round pick for the Falcons way back when. And he certainly hasn't gotten more athletic after a couple season ending injuries. However, sure. he's still probably, unfortunately, an improvement over a Mark Robinson or an Landon Roberts if you have to use him on a third and nine, a third and 11, whatever the case may be, where you can get him on the field and at least trust him a little bit more playing in the box, covering a tight end, uh, covering a running back out of the backfield, doing those types of things. And so whatever's going to help you in coverage, they're going to need that assistance there because we know that even before the injuries to Holcomb and Quan, who were not part of the problem really on defense, no, it was more their secondary, they've already had some gaping holes with Levi Wallace, Patrick Peterson wasn't playing well. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the safety opposite of Minka, very, very sporadic play all over the board there. 
So I think getting these guys on the field, and I talked a little bit yesterday on, on the show as well. I think Elijah Riley, I think yeah. that he's a guy that should be part of the mix moving forward. See what you have in him. He's a guy that can play a little bit of safety, a little bit of slot corner, a little bit of a little bit of box. And so he's a guy that I'd be interested to see how he fits in this puzzle. Uh, yeah, I think the answer, especially once Mika gets back, especially for third downs or just passing down situations, is to get a third or fourth safety pretty consistently on the field. Like that's really their best avenue in the short term to try to help with the coverage. I think for this game in particular, since we're you know we'll be talking about the Browns game more in depth here in a little bit, I think they just need to bring these guys a lot. They like don't even get them involved in coverage to begin with. They just just bring these guys on blitzes. You know, maybe you mug up the a gaps and you just take it because you're facing a rookie quarterback who struggled in his only start. Now again, it was on like hours notice apparently, and like there's a lot of issues mm -hmm. with that. And you probably didn't get the the uh, practice reps he needs, so you should be better prepared for this game. But in the short term, like just bring pressure on this kid. Like that's probably the answer for for this week at least. And then after that, it comes down to can you find the right combination of guys to bring in in the secondary to help with that responsibility and coverage. So. Yep. Yep. I agree. And I'll be interested to see how this dynamic works without, mm -hmm. I think the two best linebackers because they're most complete oh, right. players yeah. on the Steelers. So uh, maybe an advantage slightly against the run, but possibly a big, a bigger that's hole right. in the <laughs> secondary than what a lot of fans realize. And so I'm hoping that's not the case. Right. Uh, and I hope that these guys prove me wrong here. All right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the still curtain podcast, please su consider subscribing to the still curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. All right, Shane, any questions you want to hit from the chat here? At yeah, all? I wanted to do that real quick. So we have a couple. Uh, this one is just two two chats from uh, our uh, Barley, I think is how you'd say it again. He's been in a couple of times. Uh, hey, guys, what's your take on everyone calling for Canada to be fired? People need to know he's limited design based off of what his quarterback can do and what his head coach wants. And then he says as well, uh, Tomlin's essentially running the offense. Canada's calls plays. Nothing will change with the new OC when your head coach is not giving you freedom and your quarterback is limited. I think there's some truth to all that. I think that and we, we touched mm -hmm. on it in the show yesterday about how the mentality of the Steelers is a lot to do with their offensive problems and not just the play calling. I do think if they had this style and this mentality with a better play caller, it would still be more successful. But I do think the general idea of what they want to accomplish offensively mm -hmm. is the biggest issue here. It's not just, okay, well – they're not good and the coordinator's not good or the quarterback's not good. It's not that simple. It is this overall philosophy that they have that is crushing them really offensively. It's just limiting them so mm -hmm. much. And at the end of the day, a new offensive coordinator will help if it's the right hire, but you're right. If Tallman does want him to play the ball control, protect, protect the football as much as physically possible game plan, it's still going to be limited. Like you're not going to see the big yeah. production in the passing game. You're not going to see consistency in the running game, especially early in the season until they figure it out. Like that's just kind of where they're at. So, yeah. And I think it's, it's somewhat fair. Even if you wanted to, at this point, you kind of divide the blame in thirds a little bit. Oh, you talk about yeah. the big three right. of, Mike Tomlin's philosophy where we're just mm -hmm. not going to turn the ball over uh, Matt Canada, his play calling and his sequencing, and then the unspectacular play of Kenny Pickett. Right. Now, obviously it's, it's not, it's not an exact science. So no, it's not that simple, more the blame of the others. I think honestly, recently over these last three games, I think it's been more Pickett honestly yeah. than anybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, the execution has to be there as well. Right. And the execution hasn't been all there. Obviously if you get Pickett a better coordinator, Pickett can improve. Right. It, vice versa. Right. You get, you, you get, I, I, a better, better play or uh, I, I'm, I got lost where I was, Shane. I'm, I did the coordinator. 
a better Where philosophy maybe probably philosophy or, yeah if the yeah. philosophy changed a little bit and you're, yeah. you're a little bit more willing to throw the ball over yeah, the grass field yeah. and take some chances then Pickett could improve so it's a give and take type thing the Steelers are finding a, a balance they think works for them Shane and I obviously voiced how we think it's going to work right. in the postseason and so <laughs> when you just can't score points it's it's hard to win football games and by the way for what it's worth 15 and a half points per game is where the Steelers are at offensive points per game if you take away their two defensive scores right. and the safety they had this year not good I mean it's near the bottom of the league so a little bit discouraging right there all right Shane let's move on to our anything else oh there was one other comment I saw here actually oh I, I know this uh Jeremiah here uh he actually watches the other show that I do uh weekly with uh the PSF app and stuff like that so glad to see you here uh, who else thinks that TJ why Alex Highsmith and the rest of their defense uh, isn't salivating knowing Watson's done for the season yeah I think that they are very happy to be playing a rookie quarterback as much as Watson likes to run around and probably helps them get sacks like they're definitely, I'm sure, excited to uh, face a rookie quarterback as this team is usually very good at dealing with. So thanks for uh, hopping in here, Jeremiah. Yeah, and Dorian Thompson Robinson was that preseason stud for them. Yep. Obviously didn't yep. didn't do so hot in his first start. Right. Uh, we're right. going to talk about that uh, in just a second here. So let's get to this preview, Shane. Steelers versus Browns, week 11. Uh, so much on the line here. And I don't know if anybody would predicted that both of these AFC North teams would be uh, six and three heading into this game, considering that you also have the Ravens and the Bengals in the division as well. And still every yeah. team in this division has a winning record. It's, it's, it's like the best in, in NFL history. The only, the furthest point along in NFL history where all four teams have had a, a record of what they have or better. Um, and so it's, it's impressive to see. And I think a lot of people would call the AFC North, the strongest division in football out there. I don't think you would be wrong. I think the, the, the Ravens and the Bengals, or excuse me, the Ravens and the Browns both have spectacular uh, defenses so far this year. Great TVOA, EPA, all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's talk about this matchup specifically. Uh, the Steelers were, just before the Deshaun Watson moves, I looked at this morning on DraftKings, they were four-point road underdogs against the Browns this Sunday. Uh, that line shifted rather quickly when we heard of the Deshaun Watson news. It went to uh, pl uh, plus two and a half for the Steelers. From there, the line got bet quickly to plus two. Mm -hmm. So now it was at plus two, and I can even look it up to see if it's shifted further since then. But it might have. With when they did the initial, I'm sure they didn't know the oddsmakers probably didn't know that who was if it's going to be PJ Walker, or Dorian Thompson, Robinson, because we right. didn't know, and we were yeah. we were on it. So, uh, so now it, it does like Jordan Schultz, uh, NFL reporter, uh, confirmed that it's going to be Dorian Thompson Robinson yes. uh, that is starting for. The Browns, which makes sense. We've seen a lot of PJ Walker in the struggles he's had. Uh, just one passing touchdown to go with five picks this year. Not a great sample size yeah. when he's had to fill in for Watson. Shane, the line has moved again. Uh, it is it? plus one for the Steelers. Ooh, yeah. and, and I wrote an article this morning yeah. where I said it could be a pick em by the end. Steelers might be favored by the end of this if the line keeps getting bet this way. Yeah, it depends. Uh, so, yeah, if it, uh, I had an article come out. I, I tried to do it as fast as I, as I could to say <laughs> Uh, now's the time to take the Steelers in the bet because you can still get them at good odds. Those odds yeah. have almost broken even at this point uh, for what it's worth, anybody that's uh, betting out there. So uh, let's take a look at this. Uh, this has moved now, so Steelers are one-point underdog. so apologize for that. Uh, this just happened uh, while we were doing the show. 34-24 um, 
8.5 points per game was the over under spread. And that has shifted down to 33.5 oh, now wow. with the Dorian Thompson Robinson news. Wow. So it's going to be one of those, at least odds makers think like 16 to 17 type <laughs> football games, which is not hard to imagine why uh, no. they would have that thought process. So let's talk about this. Uh, Deshaun Watson out, Dorian Thompson Robinson in. Yep. Uh, what do you make of this? How big of a difference is this? I know that a lot of people are super hard on Deshaun. They don't <laughs> like him as a person, whatever. Fair. And that yeah. that's all fair. That's all fine. Deshaun, though, I, I do feel like he gets a little bit too much criticism as a quarterback because he still makes plays. I mean, you watch yeah. that Browns game. He still made some plays down the stretch. He was good in the second half. He helped mm -hmm. lead that that come from behind touchdown drive. And again, they scored 33 points in that game. One of those was from a defensive score, uh, but he still had a, a decent performance overall. Been a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but we have seen this guy do well in the past. And obviously compared to the sample that we're looking at between PJ Walker and now that it's going to be Dorian Thompson Robinson, who, I mean, in his lone start this year, Shane didn't throw a touchdown through a trio of interceptions yep. in a 28 to three loss against the Ravens uh, back in week four, I believe that was. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. not a good game at all from him. I think they're trying to give him a second look because he's a younger, fresher guy, the athlete, uh, not the uh, Walker's an athlete as well, but uh, they know who Walker is at this point. Right. I think they're trying to find out who DRT or DTR is at this point. Uh, so how do you think, what kind of a drop-off is this from Deshaun uh, to Robinson? I think the major drop off is just that again, Watson has so much experience under his belt, despite the rust that he's clearly still kind of dealing with, I think to a certain degree. And he also should at least know the offense significantly better. Right. I mean, DTR has only been there since obviously being drafted this year. He clearly didn't have command of the offense in his lone start. And again, you could argue that because of the circumstances where they didn't know he was going to be starting until like hours before, apparently, at least that's what was reported that had a big impact on it. So you think it'll, it should be better in this game, but at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson is still a professional quarterback and has been one for much longer. And, and has that experience. Like I said, I think the biggest drop off is how does he handle pressure? How does he handle getting looks that he doesn't expect now against the Steelers? That won't happen as much as it might against, you know, when he played the Ravens or other teams, unfortunately, but I think the pressure alone, like understanding, okay, the tackles are banged up, if not out. I think mm -hmm. Juan Jones, I'm, I'm not sure if he's out for this week or not. I know he missed his past week. Uh, Dredrick Wills is obviously out. Like their tackles situation is going to be difficult. Like it's just, it's a tough situation to go into for any quarterback. Mm -hmm. We've seen how PJ Walker's played, right? And he's a professional quarterback in his own right. That's played plenty of games. It's going to be a drop off. The amount I think is really dependent on the Steelers ability to bring pressure on this guy. That's going to be the biggest, I think, factor is how can he handle pressure and then if he can handle it is it just with his legs or they just have to play contain can he make some throws while being pressured that's going to be the biggest thing in the game i think yeah a dtr certainly has some things working against him jedrick wills is on ir right. uh the jury's still out on day one jones for this week we haven't seen the injury report yet but there's a chance that he might not be available as well uh <laughs> the last that i heard at least and so um, I, I think that uh, it, it, knowing what the pass rushers that you're coming have after you anyway, and now that I think that Jerome Ford and uh, Kareem Hunt have done a fine job have, anyway, being able to move the ball, obviously having Nick Chubb would help. He's one of the best in the league to mm -hmm. do so. Uh, but yeah, just a, a couple of disadvantages here. So at least he does get the week to prepare knowing right. that he's going to be that guy now. Um, but it does make you wonder, Shane, I got to ask, do the Browns kind of regret trading Josh Dobbs for nothing right before the start of the season because Dobbs has won two straight games for the Vikings now. 
brought them up to a six and four record. He had the, 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 a huge upset win over the Dallas Cowboys when he was the Cardinals quarterback on a just a completely untalented football team. So Dobbs has shown some flashes and I think that he's, he, I mean, it's been again, not everything terrific from his part either, but he's, he's shown some ability there. He's experienced. He's obviously a very smart guy. Uh, would he be that guy right now if the Browns had not traded him? Uh, I think so, and we'll talk about it, but I just wanted to throw this to 13-10 Steelers on the def- defensive touch. Yeah, I mean, this is how it's probably going to be. That's the type of game that we could yeah, be Yeah, I just for. wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I thought it was funny. No, um, I, I think you're right. I think the Dobbs situation is funny because realistically, if he was on this team right now, there'd be no question who was starting the game. There'd be no question about whether or not he could handle it either. We we know at this point, I, I've, I may have said it on this show or it may have been another show I was doing because at this point it all kind of blends together, but – I feel like Josh Dobbs is the anti Ryan Fitzpatrick, where instead of being the high variance, like you never know what you're going to get, but it could be spectacular. I was going to be back with quarterback. He is the no nonsense, does everything the way it's supposed to be done. His drops are immaculate. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. Backup quarterback. They're literally polar opposites. And for the Browns right now, I think you'd love to have that guy because at least he could just run the offense as it's meant to be run. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. It's going to be week to week, but it gives your defense a better chance than probably what a rookie quarterback can do for you. Yeah. I'd have to imagine that during preparation and they would see Dobbs's ability to, to read and process. And so uh, it does make you wonder what would the game look like line look like if Dobbs was the quarterback, would it shift at all? Would it, would it go back in Cleveland's favor a little bit here? And so either way, the fact of the matter is Steelers are going to be playing in week 11 against a rookie quarterback in his second NFL start. Dorian Thompson Robinson is not a big dude at all. And so uh, definitely some things working against him, obviously a great athlete. And so he can get the Steelers a little bit uh, with his legs. And so it, it makes me wonder, um, if he'll, they'll try to exploit that at all, it's Steelers missing two linebackers and, and their two most athletic linebackers. And so, uh, perhaps they can try to do something like that, uh, against Pittsburgh. All right, Shane, let's talk about some of the biggest matchups to watch this week. We noted, uh, that Brown's starting left tackle Jedrick Wills is out, unfortunately on IR, which means that Alex Highsmith is projected to have a matchup against James Hudson. The third, I kind of liked Hudson at the senior bowl coming back a few years back, but this matchup certainly favors Highsmith and it already favored Highsmith going against Wills. He just, you just put, put him in a spin cycle. I feel like when he goes against Jedrick typically, and now uh, you get the backup and, and there could be a couple backups in this game. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge matchup because, you know, Alex didn't have the best game against the Packers. You know, the pass rush kind of did get uh, quelled for the most part. I mean, TJ got his sack, but it mm-hmm. wasn't. So especially the edges were pretty well protected. And part of that, I think, is the amount of snaps those guys play. They just weren't you know, as fresh as you'd like them to be. So hopefully they can get a little bit more rest in a game like this. But ultimately, this is a huge matchup because Hudson is certainly not a finished product. I don't think he's really a true starting tackle in the league. And I think that's why he obviously hasn't been right. Wills being out is why he's playing. And Highsmith should be able to take advantage of him. Now, if he doesn't, that's going to be a serious concern because that's probably our best path to getting some extra points there by getting a strip sack or something along those lines from Alex, like he did last week or last time they played. But again, like the pass rush on both sides has the advantage for sure. It's just which one I think makes the most impact is going to probably determine the outcome of this game. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'll be interested to see too, because if, if Daywan Jones does play as well, he might not be at full strength. He did right. a good job against what last time. And I think, 
pass protection is his thing because he is just a brick wall. It's just hard to get around. He, yeah. he outweighs everybody that he goes against by 100 pounds, and he's got a, a bigger wingspan than any, but any edge defender he will ever face. And so, right, so. Uh, just such a rare body type. So that will be a, a pretty big loss as well if, if he's not able to go for this game. So keep an eye on the injury reports as we go throughout this week. Obviously, nothing yet. Uh, we're still early as we re- record this show uh, on Wednesday afternoon here. Um, I, the biggest one, I think, regardless of either side of the ball, it's gotta be Dan Moore jr. Against miles Garrett. This is, I mean, Shane, I am kind of, I'm kind of fed up with the narrative that uh, Dan Moore contains miles. Every time these two teams play, when you go back and watch the film, Garrett is getting in there all the time and he's getting in there lightning fast. It's just that the Stewarts also happen to be getting rid of the ball really fast because they know that Garrett is right on their heels. And so it's not that. It's not that Moore has played him really well, and I think the Steelers need to devote more attention to Moore. Uh, but we, it's hard to neutralize a, a player like Miles Garrett. And you can say, all right, we have this debate, whatever. Uh, Watt versus Garrett, they, they're the very different football players. It, I, honestly, Shane, and I, I hate, I hate saying this. I hate to say it. I, I probably would cast my defensive player of the year vote for Miles Garrett right now. I, it kills yeah. me. It kills me. Yeah. But the Browns have the number one DVOA defense. They're number one in EPA. Miles Garrett is, is crushing it in a league above everybody else in terms of pass rush win rate uh, and his efficiency rushing the quarterback. I know that he can't do some things that Watt does. He's not as an elite of a run defender. He typically doesn't come up with as many splash plays like TJ Watt. And, and again, I am not, I'm not Watt bashing at all. I think Watt is still easily top four or five player at his position easily. Miles Garrett has been really, really good this year, and he's on the number one defense in the league. And a defense that allows 151 passing yards a game, I think that he's kind of earned that right to be in the defensive player of the year front runner conversation. And right now, his odds are reflected as such. Yeah, and I think the big issue here is like, you know, we talk about Dan Moore versus Miles Garrett. It's been a conversation the past couple of years. If you watch the games and you don't just look at the stat sheet afterwards, you know he's just beating him every single time, essentially. Yeah, and that is again, it's it's really hard for a player like Moore to handle Garrett. It, it just is. Every tackle would struggle with him one on one for the most part. The problem is people don't realize. Okay, the Steelers know that that's going to happen, right? So their game plan instead of trying to throw a million resources at Garrett, they're just like we're just not good. we're just going to throw the ball as soon as possible, so he does so it doesn't matter. And yeah, that kind of it limits your game plan, but their game plan is already limited anyway. So I don't even know how much that matters if we're being honest about it, right? Like, yeah. I, and I think that's the thing is it doesn't mean that the Garrett is bad against us. It means that he is not literally allowed to be good. Like they do not allow him to create mm-hmm. the plays. And I think that's the that's the one thing I will say about the Garrett Watt situation is like, if you want to have a conversation about who the best pure pass rushers in the NFL are. Watt is in that conversation, but he's not firmly ahead of you know the other four or five guys in that conversation. It's when you start talking about edge rushers and edge defenders in general, where I will tell you that TJ Watt is the best edge defender because of his combination of skills. That's where I th- and I think people get confused with that sometimes. Of like, if you're asking me who the best pass rushers are, you also have to mm-hmm. include interior guys in that conversation. It's not just an edge situation. If you're talking about edge rushers, then I do have Watt as the top edge in the league, but because of the multitude of things he does for our defense. That's, and I, people get mm-hmm. mad about it. Fans don't like it mm-hmm. when you say that because it's like, oh, it's just, it's like TJ has the skills as a pass rusher to be in that conversation. It's not that. It's that he just doesn't win with the same ways and the same speed that some of the other guys can physically do. 
it's not something against TJ. It's just mm-hmm. not something that is in his skill set the way that it is for those guys. He wins in different ways. He he wins in ways that give him the statistical production that you want. It's just not exactly the same as some of the other guys. So again, the Garrett thing is just as far as the matchup goes, he's going to get his. It's just going to be whether or not they do a good enough job of preventing him from making the big play. Yeah, and that's a fair assessment, Shane. Uh, yeah. And and you you pointed it out. Like this is why we can't just be box score checkers. Right, because you can't be because you, you won't know. Yeah, when you. Yeah. And when you go back and watch watch Garrett and just how utterly disruptive he was uh, yeah. when these two these when he got this matchup against Dan Moore last time, like it was it was concerning. And so he yeah. does had it does have an impact on the game. Remember, Steelers won that game twenty six to to twenty two, but it required two defensive touchdowns. So yes. it, it wasn't because the offense was doing a great job moving the ball yeah. at all. Yeah, uh, it, and it makes me wonder too because Jim Schwartz does get creative. He might move uh, Garrett over to the other side occasionally, but mm-hmm. he's going probably have the best matchup. I would assume if he stays home <laughs> at, at, at right edge. Uh, I'd like to see him against Broderick, honestly, for a few snaps. I want to see a freaky guy right. against another freaky guy, and for see. Sure, for sure. And I know that that's. I mean, it doesn't get any more difficult than that for Broderick, uh, having to know not know who's going to line up against you every time, and if if he gets a couple of those reps against Garrett, I'd like to see how he looks because I've been impressed with Broderick so far. I actually think it'd be really fun to see that mostly because I don't know if like, I think Garrett wouldn't have as much success as even he probably should. Cause I feel like he wouldn't know how to attack Broderick because his technique and his, his plan as a pass protector. So weird mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, that, it is. And it's so predicated on just like, I'm just better physically than you. And he's not necessarily the Garrett, like those two are better. Mm-hmm. Than breaks. Like I think Garrett might not really like know a hundred percent, of what to do against him because <laughs> I feel like his edge yeah. is really hard right now. Cause like there's not a lot of tape on him. He kind of just gets it done based on sheer athleticism and willpower. And it, it's, it's fun to watch for now. And you, you hope he, he gets a little bit more technical, but like it, it would be fun to watch for sure. If nothing else. Yeah. I mean, Broderick's anchoring strength, recovery ability, mm-hmm. it just quickness Stupid. off of his hands. Like, all that stuff is just, it, it's crazy yeah. to watch the difference between, a core four and more. And then you go mm-hmm. to that and I'm just like, wow, it's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, guy. he definitely has some upside. So hopefully he can, can put together another strong <sighs> yeah. performance here. I think that all three of his starts, he's really done a good yes. job to it. Right. Yes. Tackle one at left tackle. Uh, Broderick is obviously starting at right tackle now for the Steelers. And so hard to be disappointed with the results when the Steelers are running for 205 yards. Like no. ultimately like what you and I both said, we'd love for him to be the blindside protector, that left tackle, the future, that 10 year left tackle type guy, uh, but maybe it won't matter. Like if he just ends up being good on the right side, well, you need another tackle anyway. Maybe next yeah. time you can go out and get get your left tackle. So it's nice to have that position flexibility at the very least. Uh, let's talk about Kenny Pickett against the Browns cornerbacks. Uh, a really good group here in the secondary. And this is scary yeah. because we saw, uh, we saw Lamar Jackson throw a pick six this past week. These guys have been awesome. And like I said, 151 passing yards allowed per game. The Steelers are only garnering 179 passing yards a game under Kenny Bigot. And so it's the combination of these two things going together that could make it really bad. Like, I, I really hope there's not a world that that the Steelers finish the game with less than 100 passing yards. But I don't think anybody would be overly shocked if they they were around that mark because uh, the secondary was so good. Now, hopefully they can take advantage, find some find some ways to get some big plays. Uh, but you do have to watch out. These guys can take the ball away. They got tight coverage. Uh, I expect a lot of tight window throws in this one. Yeah, I think the biggest problem for Kenny in this game is like he right now he's uh, there's been a lot of times where I think he's late to diagnose things, and, and that's mm-hmm. part of why we've seen him go to like the first read or nothing type of gameplay recently. 
And against the Browns, they, they're just so fast and they run around and they're, they're always in passing lanes that it's really easy. Like the Lamar interception for a touchdown, right? It wasn't like he threw the ball right to a guy. It was, it got tipped up in the air and picked up. Like they're always around the ball. And it feels like you have to be very precise with your throws if you want to get them through all that traffic. And let's be honest, Kenny has not been particularly precise this year in general, right? I mean, he did throw a pick against them. Last time they, these two played, he kind of threw it right to a defender, didn't expect him to be there. Like, that's the type of stuff that can happen against the Browns, especially with the way they're playing in, in the front four. Like, you have to get the ball out quickly, and if they know that, they can attack downhill at those throws, right? And that's whenever you can get into major trouble. I think they have an avenue here, though. I think if they can protect Pickett for a few seconds, I do think the secondary is not unbeatable by any means. And I think they have the separators and Deontay, and they have the you know they have the physical presence and Pickens to get some plays on this team. We saw it even in that game occasionally where Kenny did make a couple big throws, especially the one to Pickens that went for a touchdown. Like it's there, but mm. I fear that they're not going to be willing to try to get them this time around. Yeah. I agree with that because I, that's what I was going to say as well, because I think that Mike Tomlin, knowing this team, well, knowing how fast the pressure is probably going to get there. You can't hang back and try to make things happen, especially if they want to execute their game plan, which is we're going to play pretty conservative, not turn the ball over, uh, run the football and win and, and win these games. So let's talk about uh, the running game for a second. Will the Steelers be able to run the ball effectively uh, against the Cleveland Browns and the Browns have the seventh ranked, rushing defense in the NFL. Like I said, they're already first uh, in pass defense. They're first in EPA. They're first in DPOA, uh, DVOA. This is just a really good defense with mm -hmm. talent everywhere. And the the DPOY front runner right now in Miles Garrett, who's having, I think, the best season of his career. And so yeah. it, there is a lot to overcome. And especially for this offensive line, who obviously we can't say has played well the whole season. It's only been these, these last couple of games, really. And so you wonder if the matchup has part to do with that, like going against yeah. the Titans and then a kind of depleted uh, Packers team a little bit. So how will they match up here? Now, I think it's worth saying that the Browns right now, uh, over their last six games, they've allowed 100, 111 rushing yards per contest. And so that's a pretty good chunk on the ground. You combine that with the fact Steelers are averaging 185 over their last two games, playing their best football with Broderick Jones in the lineup. I mean, just some craters of, of holes to go through. Uh, in these last two games, like a couple of those, you could have driven a truck through uh, is how, yeah. how wide they yeah. just open these holes. And so we love seeing that. I mean, in, in terms of efficiency uh, and uh, overall volume of the rushing, this is the Stewart's uh, best performance they've had in over a year. I think it was week eight, I think of last year's New yeah. Orleans, New Orleans game, whatever week that was last year when yeah. they ran for like 217 yeah, yards. He had so, a big, like 40 something yard run. And I remember. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's the best they've had in a year. And so you'd like to see that trend continue because I think that's a recipe for success. It makes it so Pickett's not going to have to throw as much, take as much risk, fumbling, getting sacked in the backfield. And so, uh, can they operate this? Can they, can they run their style of football and ground and pound style against the Browns this week? I think it's totally possible. I think the issue with the Browns is, you know, last year with the Browns, their biggest issue in run defense was they didn't have the horses up front in the middle, and their defense was very much Joe Barry-esque in the sense that it was very, you know, soft. They weren't playing a ton of aggressive coverage or aggressive fronts. Now they are certainly much more aggressive, and they're much more up in your face. And, and the downside to that, though, is if they are aggressive and you block everything up, you're going to have a lane and you're going to be able to run for a while. Like that that's the main thing about – 
you know, th- there's that trade-off, right? I think being aggressive is always the better play in the NFL nowadays because defenses are such a disadvantage most of the time because of the rules that you might as well try to be aggressive and go for the big plays. That does have its downside, though, because if you are able to run on those fronts while they're bringing a bunch of guys and everyone's coming up, if you block it up perfectly, you're going to have a clear lane. And I think especially mm-hmm. a guy like Jalen Warren, more so than Harris in this game, I think has the advantage because if he does squeak through a hole or if he does have the opportunity to get the edge, you might run for a while. We saw Keaton Mitchell's run yeah. against the Browns in, in the Ravens game where he mm-hmm. screwed up the sideline. Now, granted, he's a different level of speed than anyone, yeah. even, even Warren or anything. But those plays are there against this Browns defense if you can block it up right. And I think this we have a better chance of doing that with Roderick in the lineup this time and just in general the way the Browns have been playing against the run. I think the problem is even with a rookie quarterback, like can we sustain drives enough and can we get up, mm-hmm. get up to be able to lean on the run game? And we score a couple times to give ourselves the ability to just not even have to put the ball in the air that much. That is the question, Shane, because the more you run the ball – uh, it, the more it kind of limits the upside of your yes. offense in any particular game, just because you are you are counting on yourself to methodically move the ball down the field. Eventually, it's likely that your drive is going to stall. So mm-hmm. if they are going to run the ball, they need to be able to do so effectively. You can't just pound the ball 40 times for 80 yards in this game. It's, it's right. that, that it's game not, plan yeah. obviously is not going to work. And so what they've been doing has been working. Now, if you ever question the effectiveness of a good coordinator, either side of the football, Look at the difference in the Browns going from Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz yeah. night and day. I mean, Miles Garrett, to my, I, to my knowledge, I think I looked this up before, has never, and since he came to the league in 2017, has never finished with a top 16 defense. in the he never finished top half of the league. Yeah. And now the Browns are number one in most distinguishable categories right now in terms of defense entering week 11. Like a coordinator makes a big difference. The fact that he can get so creative with that. And so I give Schwartz a lot of credit. I think that if the Steelers do start to run the ball well, he's going to be able to find a way, uh, unlike Joe Barry was able to do against the running game, obviously, last week. But I think that Schwartz will be able to find a way to neutralize that somewhat. And so the Steelers may have to find a counterattack. Can they do something through the air now if they're just going to stack the box against us? I think if I was Jim Schwartz and I'm running this defense, my goal would be, I'm going to make Kenny Pickett beat us in this football yeah. game. I know that we don't have a great quarterback either, but I'm going to make Kenny Pickett beat us through the air. I'm not going to allow the Steelers to run for 180, 200 yards like they've been doing. Uh, and I think that if they can operate that effectively against the Steelers, Pittsburgh could be in trouble in this game. All right, Shane, let's move on to our keys to success while we're talking about such things. Uh, let's talk about our key on offense. What do the Steelers need to do to come away victorious? I think, and you kind of just touched on it, the plan should be to try to dominate the game in the trenches on the ground. However, you have to also have a counterpunch to that if it doesn't work. Because we've seen this team consistently when they try to do their thing and it doesn't work, they just lean into it anyway and don't really adjust to try to make those changes, especially offensively. They have to have a plan for if they bring an eight-man box every play and we can't get the run game going, what do you do? Is your go-to to go to play action, which this team has been really good at doing when they do it, but don't ever do it. Is it going to spread things out and try to force them to cover everybody in space more? Is it using more of the three wide receiver sets? You know, whatever it may be. They have to have a game plan for dealing with what happens if you get down early or more specifically if your run game just isn't working. Because if you just continue, like Mm -hmm. you said, to run into a brick wall, like they kind of felt like they were doing early in the season, you're just basically punting the game away and waiting for your defense to do it for you. And yeah, it's worked for them. 
I don't want to see it. Like take initiative a little bit here with this, like have something you can go to, whether it's the quick passing game or whatever it is, have an actual plan in place to deal with the likelihood that everything isn't going to be easy running the ball and playing defense. Yeah. I think that that's going to be a key as well, Shane. And, and I'm going to side with Mike Tomlin and his backwards philosophy <laughs> just for this week. I'm not going to yeah. do it every week against this, but team, for this week. I can, yeah. Against this team, considering the circumstances, you got Dorian Thompson Robinson starting at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Don't turn the ball over. And, and typically, I'm all for aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you, I talked about it on the show yesterday. If you want to see what the Steelers have in Kenny Pickett, they need to find out. They need to do it this year. Yeah, as to not waste any more time uh, with their their aging defense and and what they have going for them. But for this game, Shane. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with the Steelers playing a little bit of conservative football because I do feel like if the Steelers win the takeaway battle and they don't turn that ball over, they win this football game yeah. because I don't see the Browns scoring a lot of points in this contest. I think it's reasonable to think that if you don't hand them the ball, that the Steelers uh, could win this game and only allow 13 or 17 points on the board. And so that should be enough to get it done. Even if you just play conservative ball, like you've been doing all year. And again, I don't it, overall, I don't love the game plan. I think it will work uh, for this time around against the Browns. Uh, defensively, Shane, what do the Steelers need to do? I think, and this kind of goes into what you said, like with DTR starting for them, I think you have to just – you have to bring pressure to this kid because he has to feel it. He has to know, okay, I'm facing the Steelers' defense right now and all their pass rushers, all the plays they make. You have to give him something to be worried about right away. Like do not let him sit back there – and try to get comfortable and, and get moving because Stefanski is going to want to try to get him comfortable as soon as possible. That's with the running game. That's with short passes, trying to get the ball out of his hands quick. Bring pressure right up the middle yeah. with the linebackers. You know, I talked about it earlier with, you know, what's the plan for the linebacker position. I think in this game, you bring those two as much as you can. And I'm, so I'm talking five blitz, five man blitzes, six man blitzes. Bring the pressure because if you force the ball out of his hand quickly, at least. The, the big gaps that have been in the back end of the defense aren't going to be there because you can't get the ball there anyway. Like there's an element of that that I think would fit for this specific game. And you talked about it offensively too. Like this is the one game that I will get, I will say, you know what, Mike, you're right about this game, right? Play your game, do what you normally do every week. Anyway, it actually is probably mm-hmm. one of the better plans for this particular game, at least. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Steelers, they have to be salivating after knowing (laughs) what you're going up against this week at a a rookie Mm -hmm. quarterback in his second ever NFL start. I do think the Steelers have the personnel to slow down the run game of Cleveland this week, especially knowing that you've got those big thumping linebackers in there, Landon Roberts, Mark Robinson, the guys that like to come downhill anyway. What scares me a little bit uh, in terms of their defensive matchup against the Browns offense this week is – uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson does have some wheels on him. He, he can get out in he space. He, he can't, he can extend the play and he can also run with the football. And so I would feel a little bit better in that regard, obviously if Cole Holcomb and or Quan Alexander was playing in this game, obviously both are done for the season. And so you could essentially spy a little bit, right. have a little bit more juice out in space so that if they do decide to get creative there and, and kind of get him on the move a little bit, I like the Steelers 
chances of slowing that down a little bit better. I, I'm not too worried about the passing game overall as, as up and down as it's been for the Steelers. I just, when I see him start shredding the Steelers, then, then I'll be a little bit scared. I don't yeah. think that's probably going <laughs> to happen considering the tackle matchups that the Steelers pass rushers are going to be getting and knowing the pressure that should be coming on uh DTR at least anyway. And so I think kind of just containing him and making sure he doesn't explode for one of these runs. It's going to get him down in field goal range, that type of stuff. Right. Uh, and I think that the Steelers defense should have a pretty favorable matchup this week. All right, Shane, let's get to our game predictions before we sign off for today. Steelers versus Browns week 11 uh, on the road here for Pittsburgh. How do you see this game going? What's your final score? So I, again, the, the odds makers, they expect a low scoring kind of drag it out fight. And I mm -hmm. definitely agree with that. I think that if the Steelers win, it is going to be, as always, very close, right? And I think I do. I do think they're going to win this game. I think it's just really hard for the Browns to overcome starting a rookie quarterback against the mm -hmm. Steelers team, and I think that they'll be able to do enough offensively. It's not going to be an explosion. It's probably not going to be. They're probably not going to score twenty six points like they did in the last matchup because their defense probably won't score twice. You know, granted, you can make the argument that they could because this is a rookie quarterback, but I'm not going to be the one to mm -hmm. do it. Um, I will say Steelers pull one out 17 to 14. Uh, they'll, they'll manage to be able to get a field goal probably late to get ahead and be done with it from there. Okay, Shane, you and I are, we're very much on the same page here. Figured, I've got yeah. the Steelers winning 16, 13. So Ooh, okay. uh, right, right in that same wheelhouse. Yeah. And so uh, we think it's going to be one of these types of slug. AFC games, North, obviously. AFC North. It's a, see North football at its finest right yeah. here. And so <laughs> yeah. we, we know how good Cleveland's defense is. We know how badly Kenny Pickett and the offense have been struggling in the passing game. So when you get that combination, it is going to cap the Steelers offense. Unfortunately, I would actually be a little bit surprised if they were able to get to the 20 point mark uh, yeah, in tough. this game, Shane, they Steelers score 16.6 on the season, 15.5 offensive points. Uh, it's not good about to get any better against Cleveland's defense. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was even lower scoring, like a 10 to six type game. Like I that think it has, real it fun. has that potential to it, it knowing the quarterbacks that are starting and the defensive players that are going to be in this game. So yeah, uh, that's our thoughts. What are you guys' thoughts? Make sure you drop them down in the chat and be sure yeah. to join us. We do this live show uh, every single Wednesday at 1 PM Eastern time. We also do a live show on Tuesdays, I'm going to be out for a bit uh, on paternity leave here. And Shane, I think is going to have a guest with us next time. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast and scan that promo code yes, at the sure. top. Thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.